Good morning, family. Everybody doing well? It's cold. I say that because we returned from the Kruger Park yesterday and it was 32 degrees where we were. So when we got home, I got a bit of a shock. And this morning was a bit of a shock. So it's wonderful to be together and to share the word with you this morning. Um, We are busy with our series on Ready for More, where we're talking about principles of stewardship and what does it mean to be a steward. And um, today I'm going to continue on and we're going to talk about time and a sense of God's pleasure that we experience in life and the need that we have as people to experience pleasurable things in our time on this earth and how God is in that also. But to do that, I need to go back a little bit and, um, and recap on some of what Neil did such a great job of speaking about last week and talk about time in general and, and how we see time in the Scripture. And particularly as we want to be good stewards of God, one of the things we really have to do a good job of stewarding is time. So you have told us through the survey we did last uh, earlier this year, last year, last year, that you come to church around once every second week. So it could be that a lot of you weren't here last week in any case. So now I'm going to catch up for you with a little bit of talking about time, and then I'll take it into a, a bit of a different direction. But it would be re- really worth your while to even listen to the message that Neil preached, really fantastic message. Um, just to remind all of us, what's our little slogan for this series, that when we're talking about stewardship, we understand the DNA of stewardship is, God owns, I manage. Okay, I think more of you know it than that. So can we say it all together? God owns, I manage. That everything belongs to the Lord. That's what a steward understands. That's the biblical concept of stewardship. So we've spoken about money, we've spoken about our our giftings, our abilities, and we've spoken last week about time, and today we want to talk about time some more, and some of the things we find joy and pleasure in in life all belongs to the Lord. Everything belongs to Him. We get the privilege to manage it. When it comes to time, I'm very aware this morning as we speak about time that in this crowd here gathered, we are so vast in our experience of at this moment and season in all of our lives about how we experience the rhythms of time. What I mean is there could be people here listening to me that are students and scholars. And when you're in that phase of your life, time has a certain rhythm to it. There could be people here that are heads of government departments and CEOs and, and, and people that are going through a time rhythm that you understand looks so busy and heavy, perhaps, than the, in, in, a, in a being in that station of life. There could be people here that are parents of little ones, that are stay-at-home parents, that are going through time with toddlers. And how many of you know time marches to a different drumbeat when you in that phase of life? We could be unemployed people here today that are in a, perhaps a season where they have too much time on their hand or looking for things to fill their time with. They, we, could, we are so vast at this point in time in our experience of the rhythms and the impact of time on our lives, but we're all experiencing it. And I, I hope that as we share about these things, not just today's message, but through the messages that we are able to embrace everybody and include everybody in the, in the thoughts we have and that nobody would feel left out or feel that, What we're talking about is not really relevant to you, but I trust 
that you would find some connection point to the message. And because I, I understand as we talk, it's, it's not really our job as preachers to come and tell you how to live your lives, but to probably give you some understanding or help you see from the scriptural perspective how the Bible views things, how God sees things, and how we can then include that in how we plan and how we organize our lives. And when it comes to time, you know, it's not really useful for me to come and tell you how to live your life and how to invest and spend and use your time. But I can give you some insight or just draw your attention and remind you even of some of the things that how the Scripture sees time and how we live with time. Time is one of those very important things we each have to steward. Time belongs to the Lord. He gave us time. Every single one of us, the Scripture says, has been given time. We get it for free. We don't work for it. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter where you come from, doesn't matter what you believe, doesn't matter if you're rich, poor, anything, we all get time. It's given to us by God. And there are these rhythms of time that we live in. Time has such an impact on us. For something that is not concrete, not something that I can get a hold of, it has such a great impact on my life. I mean, time affects my mood. Perhaps not yours, but definitely does mine. You know when you've got lots of things to get done and the time is too little and you're feeling the pressure build onto you because there's this imaginary line that you drew that says, I have to get certain things done by that time for whatever reason. And when that time comes closer and, and, you, and, and you've got more things to do than what you can realize, I've got time to get done, whether that's studies that have to be completed, work to be done, packing for a holiday, whatever it is, how many of you start feeling the pressure of time? Time can become heavy and it impacts on us and we suddenly change who we are and we become these different people when time pressure is on us. How many of you become moody and difficult? when the stress of a deadline comes upon you. Anybody? I'm going to ask your spouse or your children the same question, then we'll get a more true answer. We all feel it. Time has such impact on every aspect of our lives. It's so real for us. We hate that feeling when, when we feel like life is spinning out of control because we don't have enough time to give to things. Or we, or we suffer when we feel that when time is just too monotonous and mundane and too repetitive. We, we, we don't like that. Or we, we hate the feeling of boredom. And all these issues are time-related. Time impacts on us greatly. How does the scripture see time? We've spoken about it a couple of times before, so just to remind most of you, and perhaps for some of you it's the first time you hear it, but there are two biblical words in the Greek that is used to describe time, the most general words. The one is chronos and the other one is kairos. Chronos time is what you and I would know, and that's where our word chronology comes from. It's chronological time. It's time that passes because one second is followed by another, and one minute is followed by another minute, and one hour is, goes into another hour. One year moves into another year. It's 2019 because chronological time has moved on since the time where Christ lived on the earth. Chronological time is time that passes by. doesn't matter what you do or what you don't do. It just goes by. Right now, while we're sitting here, 
we are experiencing the movement of chronological time. At this point in time, it is now 10.37 according to my watch and according to the, the watch on the screen. And just now, it'll be 10.38 because chronological time keeps moving. You do nothing for it. You don't contribute to it. You cannot slow it down. You cannot make it go faster. It is chronological time. Then you also get kairos time. Kairos time, on the other hand, are opportune moments, are events that take place that require our response, that come along whether you're ready for them or not. Most often they seem to come along when we're not ready for them. And they have everything to do with how you deal with them. Where chronological time just happens, we cannot do anything to change it, impact on it. Kairos time has everything to do with how we react in it. And when the Bible talks about time, it talks about both of these concepts of time. So when I think of being a steward of time, I have to think of both of these. How do I give God my chronological time? My time, my today, this moment, how do I give it to God? How do I give the next hour to God? How do I live with God in the next hour, chronologically. But it also means giving time in my kairos moments to the Lord. Kairos being those opportunities that come along. It's like when a, a lady is expecting. There's chronological time that takes place. That baby grows in her womb according to a pattern that time has set out. So that when she goes to the doctor, that baby has grown and the doctor can measure the, the growth and the development of the baby and can project certain things of the life of that baby, size and weight, and because of chronological time that develops. And it, and it has a rhythm to it. But how many of you know if you leave things to, to its natural progression, if there's not an induction that takes place or you know, something like that, and a cesarean, that baby is going to come someday, whether you're ready or not, it's coming. There's going to come a time when that baby lets you know, I'm coming. And by then your bags need to have been packed. By then you would have had to know the hospital has to be booked. You've had to invest some chronological time to be ready for the Kairos time. Does that make sense to you? Because if you didn't do the chronological investment, the Kairos becomes a very different experience. I've done it four times. And I can tell you, my life depended on my preparation in every one of those moments. Kairos and Kronos time. How do we give both to the Lord where we are ready every day, every moment to live for the Lord? The scripture talks a lot about be ready. The Lord can come. We sang about it just now in that fantastic song that the youth wrote for us. The Lord is coming. Are you ready? Are you living every moment chronologically? But are you also living every opportunity? Ready to respond in every moment. Aware of when God does something and that you don't miss a moment because there are moments that come that if you're not prepared for them, you miss them. They're the Kairos moments. We experience it this week when we as a family, when we go on holiday like we did and we camp in the, in the Kruger Park. and It's a... It's a special time for us because we change the rhythm of time. Time when we go away like this for a week and we go camping, we spend, we're a lot less concerned with chronological time and a lot more concerned with Kairos time. Because when you're in the Kruger Park, and I know it's not everybody's thing, not everybody likes it, but we love it. To drive around and you're investing 
kairos time, a chronos time. You're giving minutes and seconds and hours to drive for, to create the possibility of a kairos moment. Yesterday we were driving back, and uh, we only got back late last night, but as we were driving back yesterday, we were just coming around a bend and a car stopped in front of us, and, and you know what you do in the park is you, you sort of, we didn't see anything, we come to the park and the lady says, a leopard just walked across the road, and it went into the bush and we missed it. There was a Kairos moment, which we missed. Now we missed it, but at least we were close enough that we were there, the possibility was there. And that's so often of how we live our lives. We live our lives in both of these realities of time. We live our lives and we have to live well in Kronos time so that we can live well in Kairos time. As a family, when we go away like this, part of the, what is important for us around Kairos time is that we create opportunities for family moments. You know, when we're sitting around the fire at night or when we're eating our meal together or when we're driving in the car and it's all six of us and we, we're looking for the animals and we're all there, it's, it's creating moments. It's taking Kronos time and using it to shape the opportunity for a Kairos moment because we're hoping that some great conversation could happen in that moment. This is time. We've opened up time. We've said there are not other things that are asking of me anything. I'm not concerned about other things. I've opened up my schedule and I've opened up so that that time can be used by God if he wanted to and if it's needed, that perhaps there were some conversations we as a family needed to have with one another. Things that are developing in the corners of our hearts and things that we, that we don't become aware of in the hustle and bustle and the busyness of life. But when we slow down, those things start surfacing, don't they? And because we've taken Kronos time and we've created opportunity, it's amazing how those Kairos moments pop up. Now, I think so often Kairos moments pop up all the time, but because we're so caught up in Kronos time, we miss them. We run past them. But when we put our focus on those times, we can maximize that. And, and it surely happened this week with us a couple of times. We ended up having great conversations as a family. Where one of the boys, for instance, had a discovery. One night, Natasha and I went to bed and we were sleeping and they were talking by the fire, the four of them. And the next morning we woke up and one of them said to us, we had an amazing conversation last night. And one of the boys, as they were talking, actually realized since the age of eight, they've been carrying something in their heart that's been causing them problems. And as they were having a conversation, the other brothers were able to talk with them and, and they got it all out. And they're just like, wow, this, I realized this has been going on in my life. And they, they encouraged and strengthened one another. But those things can't happen if you do not create the opportunity for them. So the success of our lives as stewards in God, if we understand my time belongs to the Lord, is to say, Lord, how do I live my life chronologically and how do I live my life for opportunity? And I bring both of those together. Some of us like chronological time more than others. We, people, we schedule people, we diary people. Some of us are forced to do that because there's so many things that we have to get done. We have to live by a diary and we have to have every moment scheduled. Some of us really like to live sort of just spontaneity and off the cuff and just look for the opportunities and just want nothing to interfere with my life so that when the opportunity comes, I'm there to get it. But how many, I think we all know that you need both, don't we? 
We need to plan well. You see, if you don't do well with chronological time, you will not create enough opportunity for Kairos time. I had to plan this holiday that we went on for this last week a year ago already. I, I had to book for this time. If I didn't invest chronological time then, this Kairos moment we would not have had in this time. So I can't just go off the seat of my pants and just, hey, let's go on holiday tomorrow. <laughs> I'll frustrate half of my family. They will not go with us on holiday. Some of us will go, that's fantastic. We're ready. But we're different people. But in God, He wants us to do both well. And this has been a journey for me in my own life for many years and struggling with how do I give my time to the Lord? And for a period of time, I thought it was all about prioritization, managing my time well. Now, I think it's very important to do that. I think it's a lot, continuously I want to learn about managing my time well. The more demands get on my life, the better I have to manage my time. But I think there's something underneath time management that I needed to get to understand in my own life first before that really became useful for me. And that was about how God brings Kairos and Kronos time together. You see, when I, when I think prioritization, this is, this is just my journey. Now, you're different than me, so I'm just, is that okay if I can use myself as an example? It's better than using any of you as an example. So I'll use myself. So I had this wrestle with thinking, okay, now how do I give my time to the Lord? Because that means I have to make time for God. I have to make time for my family. I have to make time for my calling, which in my case is full-time ministry. Your calling is different. You're in a different vocation, a different position or place or what God is asking of you. But I needed to make time for that. I needed to make time to be a good son to my mother and to my in-laws. I needed to be a good citizen of the nation. You know, I needed to pay my bills, I needed to do the tax, I needed to go to the pharmacy, I needed all of these things, and, and how do I manage all of that? And, and first I thought, perhaps if I, if I get a clear prioritization, then, then, then I can manage it. So it, it almost became an exercise if, if I give two hours a day to my family, if I give an hour to God, if I give so many hours to my, to my calling, if I, and then I start dividing time so that, I can, so that I can cover everything needed according to the time that it requires. The problem with that is that all worked well if everybody just kept standing still. If nobody moved or developed a crisis or a problem, I could do that. But how many of you know life does not work like that? Just when I've got my family in their box and saying to them, listen, I've planned two hours a day for you. Do not come outside of these two hours. Then one of them has some prize giving an award thing at school that's outside of the two hours. And I, I cannot go to your awards thing. It's not in my two hours. So I, I realized as I was growing, and like, mm, that's not going to work. So I thought, no, how? How do I do this? Because I also felt frustrated sometimes with, you know, here's God, my personal relationship with God. Here's my ministry. And somewhere in the middle, I had to fit Natasha and the kids in. And that became difficult. And then somewhere I read, and somebody used this illustration, which I found helpful, and say, Dealing with our time and giving our time to the Lord is more, it looks more like a child's mobile. Do you know what a mobile looks like for a baby? Those things that, that hang above their beds and it has like a center point and then it would normally have arms that come off it with different, whether it's little animals or stars or whatever, so that they can play with them. And, and time management in the kingdom and giving my time to God was was more an exercise not of lists and priorities, 
but of being able to put every one of those things in their right place and respond correctly, correctly to them as they each required. But then I realized for that to work, there has to be something that brings it all together. There has to be a unifier. There has to be that middle point where everything connects to. Because it really becomes difficult when life has three or four things that are equally important and compete at the same level. Then it becomes really difficult to do life because which one do you do when? But if there's one thing that is actually my one thing, and then everything else connects to that one thing and unifies my life, then I can start saying, okay, I can figure this out. I think that's in part what Jesus was communicating and, and the story of Mary and Martha. Remember Mary and Martha that came to Jesus, Lazarus' family, and Jesus was coming to them for a meal. And, and as Jesus came, the, the story was that, that happened was that Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to Jesus as he was speaking. Martha was running around, getting you know, the food ready, making the coffee, you know, all of that stuff going on. And at some point, Martha got a bit irritated with Mary and she said, come, why don't you come and, you know, she walked past, you know that, and she gave her the look, that look that we all have in our families of, really? This is going to lead to a conversation later. She gave her that look. And, and then later, she, the look didn't pay off. Mary ignored the look and then she came and she said, listen, can't she see how busy I am? Jesus, won't you tell her? If you tell her, perhaps she'll listen that she must help me. Then Jesus responded in, and he said something of this nature. He said, you are busy with many things, Martha. You've got three or four things that you're trying to balance and, and put together. But Mary has chosen well. She has one thing. And what is that one thing that connects everything? that holds everything in place? What is the center of the mobile? That everything in my life needs to find its relevance according to that one thing. And obviously that one thing is God. This is the fantastic thing you and I as believers and as Christians have in our lives. We have one thing that brings it all together, that unifies it all. One thing that everything in our lives finds its meaning and its purpose within. I don't have things in, I shouldn't, I don't have to have things in my life that are little loose things on the side here that I go, I don't know what to do with that. That's asking time and energy and, and effort from me, but, and I don't know how it fits in with the rest. You and I as believers, we didn't have to do that. We have got something that every moment of my day, every activity can relate to and can be given purpose and perspective and priority according to that central thing. And that's what God gives us. And from that comes joy and peace and rest because He is the center. So what I mean like that is, is practically this. My relationship with God, obviously, it's centered in Him. So if that's the one arm of my mobile and there's this little animal hanging there that represents my relationship with God. It's about Him. Me being a husband and a father, it's about Him. It's about, Lord, how do I spend my time as a husband and a father so that it glorifies and honors You? Because I want to see Your glory in every moment of my day, every moment of my life. How do I spend my time at, at work? How do I give my work so that 
it's connected to you, glorifies you. How do I do my rest, my gym, my going on holiday so that it's connected to you? How do I do my duty as a citizen? How do I be a good neighbor? How do I do all of these things? God is the one that has something to say about all of that. And by the way, He's the only one that you can put at the center that can give you the answer to all of those things, that has something to say about everything in your life. If you try and put something else, at some point it'll fail you. If you put money in the center, there's certain things that money will help you with and there's certain things that money will have nothing to say and will actually not have a place for it to connect and it will be a loose thing on the side and then you'll find yourself. If you put yourself there, you cannot cover it all. It's only when I put God in the middle and I say, Lord, it's all about you. You see, and that's the privilege of being a steward. It all belongs to Him. Everything finds its meaning. You see, the challenge for us sometimes, and this is what Neil spoke about last week also, is what we can do is we can put something else in the middle and then make God the closest connected to that thing in the middle. So let's say I put myself in the middle and I say, I know that that I hold all, obviously this life is about me and all the experiences that I have is is about me. I'm part of it. So I'm going to put me in the middle and then I'm going to arrange life around me and my time. I'm going to allocate and give to the things that are important to me. And one of the things that I know is important to me is is God, that I love God and I need God and I I can't do this life without God. So I'm going to keep him close and I'm going to make him one of these these mobile arms that's related to, to me. And I'm going to spend a good amount of time. And Neil spoke last week about, you know, do we give 10 hours a week to God? Five hours, 10 hours. Perhaps if I'm a really radical Christian, I give 10 hours of my 100 waking hours to the Lord. If I'm really, really radical, I'll give 30 hours. And then I make a contract with God that says, Lord, I've given you your time. The rest now belongs to me. So that I hold it all together. Man, you put a lot of pressure on yourself. You put a lot of strain on yourself when you put yourself in that position. You are not qualified to do it. Because you can never think of everything. You do not know the future from the past. You do not know what's coming tomorrow. You cannot plan. That's why the Bible says that man plans, but God causes things to happen. You can can do the best you can, but there's going to come things that surprise you, and you're not going to know how to deal with it. But if you could put God in the center, and everything becomes about Kronos and Kairos, I plan according to what God desires, and I respond according to what God desires in the moment. I found that is the way that I can start living my life in a sense of peace and purpose, where I'm not being anxious all the time. And every moment is not beating on me. But where there's redemption in it. Because God's, it's about God. And I want to encourage you to put Jesus at the center. We sing that song so often. We sing it in so many different ways. We say it all the time. We put you at the center, Lord. And it may feel like it's a sacrifice to put Jesus at the center, but once you start doing it, you realize it's not a sacrifice. It's the only way to live. It's a privilege when we put him at the center. You see, because if you ask me what I would spend the bulk of my time with and where I would really like to put my time and what I think is the best for me when it comes to time, it'll look something like this. I think you guys have the picture. My, thank you. If they can put up that picture, this is what I think my time should be spent on. 
How many of you are with me? Come on, should we start a, we can all go there. That, that feels like that's what God wants me to do with my time. Just go there, that's like a place where, you know. So if I'm at the center, everything in my life would be organized perhaps around getting there. But how many of you know that when God's at the center, that may not be what he's, where he wants to take me? Now, I think that may be part of it, but he may have some other pictures in seasons and times of my life that he may want me to go to some really difficult places. Perhaps he wants me to take a job at a place that is dysfunctional, falling apart, and I have to go there to bring godly order and to help human flourishing and God's plans and God's purposes to happen in those places, and it looks completely the opposite to that. But that'll be the place where I'll experience the pleasure of God, because that's Him. Then I don't judge things anymore about what it does for me firstly, but is it in God's will? My feeling and my experience becomes important within that. But that's why as believers, as good stewards of, of time, we can become these really weird and strange people that find pleasure in places where nobody else finds pleasure. Because we know we're there because that's where God wants us. And therefore, I can live my life and not be caught up in this sacred-secular divide that Neil spoke about last week, where, where certain moments and certain portions of my time is more valuable to God than other times. Where I, because if God is at the center, if God is the unifying factor of it all, then when I'm, when I'm here at church on a Sunday, if that's my response to God, if that's my chronos investment, and that's what God wants from me, and, and we know that's what the Scripture says we should do, so we're doing that. If that's what God wants from me, then I, I find His pleasure in it, and I find purpose in it. Not firstly because what does it do for me? Is, does the, the service work for me? It's important that it works for us, but that's second, third, fourth important. There's other things that are more important. And you see, when I've given my time to God, it's not, I don't judge every moment by, does it work for me? Or when I go home this afternoon and spend time with my family, or when I watch South Africa beat Australia on Friday, come on. I see you a little of faith, come on. Or whatever I'm doing, when I'm doing my work and, and perhaps working late hours and other people are asleep, but I'm up at, in the middle of the night doing my work, even in that, there's a sense of pleasure. And God brings all of this together in Him. Otherwise, I develop this duality in my life. And I think it's often expressed in our lives, this duality between rest and work. For some of us, we, we think we work too hard. And all we want is God. If, we, if God really wants to bless us, if God just wants to be with us, if we want to feel God's pleasure, then we must just rest some more. And so we, we're frustrated in a time of work. We know we have to do it, but there's no real sense of pleasure in it, but we'll find pleasure in, in something else. Or perhaps we're in a time where, where we would love to have work, and we would love to be able to spend time and, and work hard at something and be creative. Then, then, you know, then that's the thing that we say, that's what I want. I've got too much of this. But it's amazing how in God, He brings those two things together. 
And they become the two sides or the two parts that are interwoven, this dance that we do with God between resting and working, abiding and fruitfulness, as John 15 speaks about. And it's because it's all in God. And I think that's the life of a, of a believer that God wants us to enjoy, is the life that finds purpose in everything we do, because it's about Him. You see, my, my driving my child to school can just be a little moment of driving my child to school, or I can make God part of that moment, and suddenly that moment becomes something so much more, if you just add Him to the mix. Can I give everything to Him? In Genesis 2, verse 1 to 3, I read this for the following. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. So he rested from all his work and God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. Do you see in that portion of scripture this beautiful dance between resting and working? Each one existing on their own, not to be confused with the other, but so interwoven in the whole process of creation. It's fantastic. That God created for six days and then he rested. Now, why did God rest? God doesn't need rest in the sense that like you and I may need rest because we're exhausted. Because we're tired. God doesn't get tired. God doesn't get spent. A part of this word that describes his rest and the, the word Sabbath that we get from the Old Testament is, is this idea that not only did God rest, but creation rested from God. From his creative ability from his making things happen. God said, I'm gonna create for six days and then he put a natural boundary on his creative ability and he said, I'm gonna stop after six days and then there's gonna be a day where I'm not going to enforce my will on creation. I'm not going to change and make anything happen. I'm gonna allow what I've already done to carry on in its life. And God stood back. He blessed it. He said, it's very good. And then he stood back. He gave rest. Not only did he rest, but he gave us rest. And it's always fantastic to remind ourselves that that God's rest day was our first day. Isn't that amazing? That God didn't create Adam and Eve, and then he put them, and then he said, okay, breathe deeply now. <gasps> that's life. Okay, now let's go to work. Because I think some of us, that's what we would have done. No, what did he do? He made them. Then he said, the first day, your first whole day on this planet, it's going to be with me where I'm resting. I'm not creating. It's done. He's imparting to them. We don't know what exactly happened, but I think this is a beautiful idea that there was a rest. Because I think the idea that God was showing us from that is that from that point on, everything we do comes from that place of resting in him. Our creative ability comes from resting in Him. The more work we want to get done, the more we need to do it from a place of rest. And I'm not just simply meaning that, you know, before you start doing something, first take a break, first spend time in prayer, whatever, that may be part of it, but more this idea that everything is in Him. You see, when I know everything is in God and it's all about Him, I can give myself passionately to my life. I can follow my life's purpose. I can be wholly committed and Christian people should work harder than anybody else. We, we should remind ourselves every now and then that God created for six days and rested one day. Because I know some of us would like it to be resting for six days and work one day. That sounds like heaven. No, no. 
He created, he gave himself completely for something, not because he had a need, but because of who he is to express himself. And so we can, I can work hard, I can work long hours, I can give myself to something, but it comes from a place of rest, a place of knowing this is about him, it's not about me. He's the one that put all of this in place. I get to share in it. I get to do in line with him. And then so that when I have moments of rest, I shouldn't find it hard to disengage. I check myself all the time. This is one of the things I have to check in my life, the dials. Because I get to be with lots of people and, and, and have exciting times and lots of affirmation from people and everything. I need to force myself every now and then. Because of my personality, I'm a yellow, high eye, I love being around people personality. That it can become the thing that I need. So I force myself once a week, there has to be time that I'm disengaged. And, and I check if I'm happy. If I can be completely happy and content, then I know I'm still okay. But if I start needing, there's a challenge in my life. Because then it becomes about me. Then I become dangerous. And we need to have that space in our lives. For different ones of us, it will be different. But how are we making sure? So... I'm going to end with this, these questions I would like you to think about. Have you got in your life a unified concept of God that holds all together? If you think about your life, is there something going on in your life that you can say, I don't know how God is in this? Then you've got to ask yourself, should it be in your life? Or how do I make this part of who God is? I don't think we should have anything in our lives as believers that we say, I don't know what's God's purpose with this. There may be a time where you're wrestling with it, but you should be actively trying to find out how God is involved in this. If it doesn't become clear, then an accountability with other people, pray with others to say, look, if this is something, because God should be in everything in our lives. And there should be a sense of his pleasure, even if that pleasure comes with the sense of, I'm doing this and it's painful, it's hard, it asks a lot of me, it weighs heavy on me, but I know this is what God wants. And I find my pleasure in that. So is there a sense of his unifying in your life? Is there a healthy rhythm in your life where rest and work, abiding and fruitfulness comes together and it forms two part of a whole of your life where you're not bouncing from one to the other, working yourself to exhaustion, then collapsing to get some rest so that you can carry on working yourself to exhaustion? No, is there a rhythm? Is there a daily rhythm? Is there a weekly rhythm, monthly, annual rhythm to your life? Because like Neil said last week, time is a God concept, it's not us. We named it, we recognized it, but God put it in place. God rested seventh day. On the cool of every day he walked with Adam and Eve, there was a rhythm that he instituted. What natural limitations do you put on your ability to do so that you don't become a human doing but a human being? We all struggle with this thing that we validate our lives by our busyness. Not our effectiveness, but our busyness. I mean, all of us, it's, we all do this. I do it, we all do it. If somebody asks me, how am I doing? Yeah, I'm busy, man. Some people, they say that to me, I think, really? For some people, they're busy means other people's getting out of bed. It's just, it's so relative. 
The idea is not if we're busy. The idea is are we living our lives for what God has said in that season, in that moment, in that time. Because you could be unemployed today. And as I've journeyed and spent many times with people that many hours praying with people and just hearing and just being with people that are during, going through times of unemployment, those are tough times, man. I know, those are tough times. But I've seen and heard them tell stories so often, those people, of how rich those times were and how God was in those times. So if you're unemployed here today, may it be a time where you meet with God. Look for work, do everything you can, but may you meet with God. If you're a busy person that every day your diary is packed, may you find God in your busyness. If you're raising little ones at the moment, God is right there with you in that rhythm. Where you would love to have 15 minutes on your own just to breathe. God is with you. Let's not put him in that category that we call someday. Someday, when everything works together, then I will live with the Lord. No, today, tomorrow, he brings it all together. He gives meaning to our lives. All it asks of us, all He asks of us is that understanding that we surrender our time to Him. Then He gives us pleasure in everything. And He has no problem with giving us great moments of great pleasure, taking us to idyllic places like that, whatever they look like for you. And God loves to reward us, but it's Him that gives to us. Won't you stand with me? Sean's going to lead us in a song. And what I'd like you to do is, as we sing this song, is just to say, Lord, here's my time. Here's my need for pleasure. My need to feel like life is worth living and life is fun and life is good and I enjoy life and life has fantastic moments to it, Lord. And, and I, laughter and, and lightness and all of that, Lord. I, I thank you that, that you gave me the need for that. But I give it all to you, Lord. I don't want to live in this duality and I want to live an integrated life where you're part of everything. So here I am, Lord. I just give you everything. Lord, I pray that you would help us by your spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus. That right now we can just hold on to your hand a little firmer and recognize that we cannot live this life without you at the center of everything. And thank you that you've given us the Holy Spirit to be our constant guide. That every day and every moment, whether it's about yesterday, today, or tomorrow, you are with us, Holy Spirit, and you can help us. And that as we are led by the Spirit of God, we will be the sons of God. And I pray for that, Lord, that we will be led by your Spirit. That in our daily, our weekly, our monthly, our annual rhythms, Lord, there will be a sense of you that is guiding us and leading us and that you will be a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet, Lord. That every moment we will be with you, even the difficultest moments of our lives, the, the things that we are find the most frustration, anger, sadness, brokenness in, Lord. We want to give you those moments and say, Lord, be with us. Where, where we need to be rescued out of those moments, rescue us, Lord. But where we need to be the ones that transform those moments, strengthen us. But Lord, we also give you our greatest moments of pleasure. The moments that we find the most happiness and joy in. We give you those moments and we say, Lord, let our joy be about you. 
and you in every moment. We love you, Lord Jesus. And thank you, Lord, that as we go from this place, as your church that goes into every street and every suburb, every workplace that we go to, every gym, every school, every varsity, wherever we go, Lord, every home, may we see your glory come. In our everyday lives, we pray in Jesus' name. If you need prayer this morning, please come forward. Our team's here. They'd love to pray with you. The Lord bless you and have a fantastic week. Remember to buy your tickets for Jeremy Riddle. If you want to be baptized today, we also have a baptism service happening outside in the functions hall. You just go out that door and they'll help you to get there. May the Lord bless you. Have a fantastic week.